The scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Announcement to shepherds. Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel, praising God. They said, glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed and what the shepherds, about what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. May the living word of God speak to us through these ancient words. You've probably heard me mention that growing up, my mom had a special powder room. It was about four feet by three feet, and it had quirky signs all over the walls, um, about 250 of them. And as it turns out, there is a quirky sign for every sermon theme. So I feel like I have started a lot of sermons with these quirky signs, but here's the one for today. Around here, normal is just a setting on the dryer. <laughs> it was certainly true of our house growing up. It may be something that you identify with as well. But it made me wonder, what is considered normal life? Your everyday normal, average, day-to-day -day existence. It seems that normal life might actually be getting more chaotic by the minute. And it seems that life felt a little bit simpler even just a few years ago. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or if because the world really has become more complicated, but it's less simple. Normal life is less normal than it was before. But what constitutes normal life? Is it when there's no crisis? Is it when we're chugging along, just doing our thing? Is it when life is boring, run-of-the-mill, average? I think that the social media craze has interrupted what we understand to be normal life. And I think that's because we have normal life and we have what we see on social media. We think that what we see of other people is their normal life. And yet, it's actually the opposite. It is a carefully curated set of events that they want you to see for you to think that it is normal. Of course, it's not true for everybody, but for the most part, what people put up on social media, they want people to think better of them for. And so we marvel at the images that we see of other people's so-called normal lives. Oh, they're traveling again. Oh, their kid had another great accomplishment. But it's not until you engage with them that you see those everyday moments in between what they're posting. In fact, if you have family or friends who live far away, you'll know this, that often that's all we get. My best friend lives out in California. And so when we're together, it's usually for a week or a few days together, 
but I don't get to see the middle of her life, the little things that happen in the in-between. Where does she go for coffee? Where does she go shopping? Where does her dry cleaning go? Those are the kinds of things that help me know her better in an everyday normal kind of way. And knowing about someone's normal everyday life means engaging with them in that regular day-to-day -day existence. It's comforting, I think. It becomes very familiar when we're like that with someone. It creates a sense of closeness. Now, our Bible story for today is actually all about the normal. It's all about the normal in many different ways. They are familiar words, right? We hear them every single Christmas, whether it's as a reading or if we sing about them in a carol or if it's during the pageant with kids dressed up as shepherds and angels. But the story is actually also very relatable because we connect with the ordinary, the normal that's in this story. Now, last week we did this with Mary, right? We, we talked about how she's just an average young woman. She wasn't very wealthy. She was just simply living her life. And then an angel appeared. And we talked about what her response was to that. Well, this week, it's the shepherds. Shepherds are very common people. Not common in the sense of, of average or regular, but common in terms of their job, their existence. They were very prevalent in Bible times. It would kind of like be for us like saying you're a teacher. We all know teachers. They would all have known shepherds. Now, it's not something that I know well. <laughs> I definitely don't know about tending animals, and I probably only know one or two families who do so, and that's really only because my sister lives in Hillsboro, and so she lives up the street from a farm and worked on social media with them, so I know about the farm only through that. We in suburbia, we don't usually have much contact with animals, and so shepherding seems foreign to us. But for this story, shepherding is part of normal everyday life. And there is a reason, reason that it's a common metaphor in the Bible. Because everybody knew it. Everybody understood it. Everybody knew what it meant when they said that Jesus as the good shepherd or the Lord is my shepherd. It was part of it. And because we like the ordinary, because it feels so familiar to us, we want to hold on to it. We want to lift it up because it feels like we could have been them. It feels like as we read about the shepherds in the story that we can place ourselves in their shoes. All of these little ordinary details that surround the birth of Jesus and it serves to make this idea of Emmanuel, this huge concept of God with us, makes it a little bit more approachable. And yet, there is nothing normal about what actually happens here. Yes, normal characters, normal lives, but normal events, absolutely not. You see, we forget the strangeness of this story simply because we have heard it so often. It is so familiar to us that we forget how outlandish it sounds as we hear it because it is about the inbreaking of God into our world. It is about God, the uncontainable, unfathomable creator of all that is, seen and unseen, present before time itself began, there after all of this passes away. It is about that God daring to become one of us, a humble human, the great God of all as a tiny baby in a manger, the savior of the world lying in straw. There is nothing 
normal about that. In fact, it is the opposite. It is absolutely awe-producing. It is almost unbelievable. And if we think too hard with our minds, we might start to find reasons how this couldn't have happened. But remember, our series isn't about the how. It is about reclaiming the why. So why did God disrupt the normal life of Mary and Joseph, the normal life of these shepherds? Why does it mean something to us 2,000 years later? Why does my reaction to these accounts matter? Why? But you'll notice something about the shepherds. Their immediate response is said to be fear. It says they were terrified. And of course, that is not actually surprising. That is probably the most normal thing about this, that in these events, that their reaction would be described as fear. I imagine a gaggle of angels appearing in the sky, and that in and of itself would simply be terrifying. But then their message is that a new king has been born, the implications of which are an unsettled kingdom. There's thoughts of overthrow, thoughts of war, thoughts of challenge, thoughts of unrest, sounding familiar, isn't it? It leads to fear and anxiety about the future. So their response is, of course, understandable. But you've probably discovered by now that I love language. Not just the, actually not at all, the memorizing of vocabulary words or the conjugating of verbs. What I love about language is that it gives voice to thoughts. It gives voice to feelings. It describes something that we're feeling inside and helps others understand what our experience is. It's how we use our words to express something so deeply contained within our hearts that I love. And I love how knowing the meaning behind a particular word opens up our understanding even further. So this is true for this word that's used in this Bible passage for fear and for terrified. We hear it a lot in the Old Testament. We hear in like the Psalms, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Happy are those who fear the Lord. And it gives us the sense that, especially in the Old Testament, that we need to be fearful of the wrath of God. And I've often heard people comment that the God of the Old Testament seems so angry, so vengeful. And it's verses like this that lead to that impression. It's not really true, and that is a topic for another day, but we have this sense here that fear of God is a theme in the Old Testament. Now, the New Testament was written in Greek. And from our story, we heard the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Well, Greek has one word or root that essentially covers the entire spectrum of fear. The root is phobeo, that's the verb form, or phobos, which is the noun form. And you'll hear in that the word for phobia. That's where we get our word for phobia, fear of. And it's used for physical danger. It's used for fear of social ramifications, used for fear of causing an uprising. It's used for fear of the wrath of God, but it is also used for awe. Awe at witnessing extraordinary events, a feeling of reverence and respect for God. Now, this is true of both the Hebrew and the Greek, that the root word doesn't just mean fear. It means to be awestruck, to be awe in the light of the Lord. Awe of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Happy are those who stand in awe of the Lord. If we replace the word awe for the word fear in those Psalms, they take on a completely different meaning. 
It's not about fearing or being afraid because of repercussions or because God will smite us in some way. Instead, we discover, especially in our story for today, that that which at first might seem like prompting fear, we quickly realize is something to stand in awe of. And in fact, these shepherds may not have been afraid at all. Because it can be read that the shepherds realized that they were experiencing in that moment the inbreaking of God into their lives and into the world by way of these angels, singing Gloria and declaring a newborn king. To that, they stand in awe. Awe for the experience of God. Awe for the amazement of what is happening. And the fear falls away. The fear melts away in favor of being awestruck by being in the presence of God. And so instead, they demonstrate one reaction to a theophany, an appearance of God, that awe, once they regained their composure, they looked around at each other wondering what had just happened. What did they just experience? And then they turned it into action. They went and they found the child, just as the angel had said he would be there. And that action then turned into the spreading of the good news, the gospel, that God, Emmanuel, has come to be with us, has come to be a part of our worlds. And when the awe wore off, they were left with joy, deep joy that rises above the situations of their lives or even of the world around them, joy that passes the feeling of fleeting happiness at the moment, joy that settled deeply in their souls. And they knew that no matter what was to come, no matter what the presence of this child might mean, that this was God among them because they had experienced it. They stood in God's light, in awe of what they were seeing, of what they were experiencing. And as their starstruck awe settled back into normal everyday life, they were left with the complete and utter joy of knowing that God was with them, that in the presence of this baby, God has changed the world. So in the midst of going about your everyday life, your normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill, average, day-to-day -day life, remember to look up once in a while. Look up and see the angels above you. Look up and see the stars shining, dancing in the night sky. And hear the glorias resounding, echoing off the mountaintops. And instead of living in fear of what all this could mean, embrace the experience and find God in those moments. And then look back at your everyday normal life and realize that God has been a part of it all along, that God is here among us. Reclaim the awe of Christmas, knowing that these experiences are anything but ordinary, but that they happen in the midst of our normal, everyday, ordinary lives. Be awestricken by the reality of God's presence with us, not just on Christmas Day or in the days leading up to it, but during everyday, normal life, during the average, normal, day-to-day -day moments of your life. That is what transforms what we would otherwise experience as fear into awe, the loving and divine presence of God with us, Emmanuel.